Well, I thought only about half a dozen people would turn up today, to be honest. I, I, you know, <laughs> I'm a bit surprised everyone's back from holidays and ready to go, but um, I'm glad because um, there's been a lot of prayer and experience going into the message today, and I really, I just sensed I, I, I wasn't going to preach on this, um, but as you, if, if you've been here more than a few months, you'll, you'll know the Spirit guides what we do, and so we must follow what, what the King is doing. And I just believe there was a lot of ministry going on in people's hearts through the worship time. So just invite, a lot of us need ministry right now, and uh, just pray that that would continue through the service, and we'll have a ministry time afterwards for people to receive prayer over here by our, our trained team. Um, so this message, is it's a funny one, from ruin to renewal, I've called it. Um, and I just want to make it real this morning, uh, because many of us are uh, deeply excited, profoundly revved up, ready to go for the year. Um, some of us, not so much. Some of us are still out of oxygen. Uh, the last few years have, have taken their toll. And, um, but over recent weeks and months, um, I've had the chance, as I do as part of the role, just to share with so many of us and just find out where people are really at. And um, the Christian life is one of victory. The Christian life is one of renewal, uh, or at least a trajectory towards that. But it's not always the case in every area of our life. And if we want to deny that, all that does is, is ill-equip us for the real life of ministry that's going forward. Some of us are here just kicking goals and ready to go. Others are suffering from profound brokenness, and, and most of us are somewhere in between. But as I, I spoke to people, there were some common threads that were coming out. And I, I've got to admit, it was a thread I resonated really strongly with, just because we all have times where we, we dip down with, with energy. Circumstances can tend to kick the audacity out of all of us. So it resonated, but I realised it wasn't just me. And this message is my message, but it's not for me. It's, it's, sometimes the Lord takes us through what we need to for the sake of others. But the comment's sort of like this. I'm good. How are you going? I'm good right now. But it doesn't take much to trigger me into anxiety and, or a bit of fear. Or you know, I'm good now as I'm talking to you. It's all fine. But you should have seen me yesterday. Or I, if I think about my work, it's all good. But my home, my situation home is a, is a, is a train wreck. <laughs> I don't know what to do there. So part of my life is going great and I feel energised when I talk about it. The other part, or inversely, my family is a joy but I just can't go on with that debilitating job. The circumstance there is killing me. I don't know what to do. And we, so we realise in these conversations that in any moment we can, be a, we can be in a room of renewal or we can be a room of ruin in the same life. But some, these, these rooms have potential to overflow to the point where some of us feel like our whole life is in ruin or my whole life is in renewal, but the reality is it's a bit of both. I remember when um, we first kicked the, were kicking the church off, it was only a few months old when that uh, thing called COVID hit, you may remember that period, and suddenly um, the unthinkable happened, it was illegal to come to church. So we all went into lockdown. All us people who were pastors, we had no idea what that meant. How do you do church without people getting together? We had to invent online things immediately. I had to learn how to create and upload videos. I became a video technician, a lighting expert. I understood all the Adobe suite. Learned that in like four and a half minutes because that's how much notice we seemed to have. And um, I didn't know, to be honest, whether we'd have a church when we got back. I didn't know whether we were going to come back. And we were in a, I was in a meeting on Zoom because that, they were the only meetings we had back then. Remember those beautiful experiences of Zoom meetings? So sincere and suddenly the, you know, suddenly the screen goes blank as someone decides they're too bored to pay attention anymore and they want to go get their whiskey or something, you know. And 
You know what's going on. You know what's going on. Sorry, everyone. I was on a toilet break. Right, right. You know, and I remember in one of those meetings, it was a bunch of pastors, and in that meeting, 60% of them were actively thinking of resigning and getting out of ministry in that one meeting. And uh, it, it was horrifying, because I still felt pretty good. They said, how are you feeling, Pat? Well, I, and it, without any thought, my, my reflective answer was, well, it depends what screen I'm looking at that moment. Because there are moments where you see the green light come up and the video is uploaded and you know we have a church service this week. But then there's the other emails that come in and you realise that there's a, we've got a completely polarised community and, and good people are, are on the top of their hill screaming at each other based on what on a a view that they won't compromise or can't understand the opposing view, and all I could see is ruin. One was driving me into despair, and one was driving me into encouragement, you know, and in the one space within a day, I recognised as I logged it down, that in four, four full cycles in one day, I went from ruin to renewal, in one day. That is not a healthy existence. This is true confessions of a pastor, but it's so, it's so long ago now, it's, it's innocuous now, it doesn't matter anymore, but that's, that was my experience of COVID. I don't know how yours was, but that's just a safe little example of what it's like to mix ruin and renewal in our life. But you may be having these ruin, ruin moments. A ruin can be something like the relationships in your life have been destroyed. Many of us here are living this right now. Your relational family life is in ruins. You've been misjudged, you're broken, you're rejected, and in all sense of earthly reality, outside of God intervening, you have no strength, you have no hope to try again, and it feels like your chance for life has been lost. That happens every day in this church. For some of us, it's our business or our career has just turned to dust. Someone or, or some circumstance it might be your fault, it might not be your fault, has triggered a disaster and you just can't see a pathway forward. I know many people who've been through this. Suicidal thoughts come into the lives of people who would never think about it previously and you just find you can't function. You look at a screen and there's two or three hours where you just can't do a thing. It's in ruins. And yet you go home and you love your family and all's good again. It might be the insecurity or of, a, of a past trauma that you just carry all your life. Something happened to you that for the rest of your life seems to define your view of yourself, your self-confidence, your view of others. You feel broken. You're always the one who doesn't feel quite normal in a situation. You're feeling like you know, you're putting on an act. So you, you assume that you're always default to this place of being unlovable, unaccepted. You smile outwardly, but in any room you know you always feel like the one who's excluded. That's a, that's a ruin room, that's a room of ruin where the rest of your life seems okay but you're carrying this thing and no one knows about it, no one sees it but it's your reality. I would say that most of us at some point have some room of ruin in our life. It could be the relationship with your husband or your wife or your kids and you just know it's, 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 a, it's rubble, it's ground zero. And so 2023 in that sense seems to hold no more hope than the previous train wrecks. So what I want to do in church is, is we're all about renewal, we're all about hope and, and optimism, so, but we've got to start from facing the reality and saying, how do I get from here to there? Because the promise is for renewal, the promise is for peace and hope and faith, but I'm in ruin. So how do we get from here to here? So today is really all about that bridge. Next week, we're starting a whole new sort of high-impact series called The God Experience, where we're talking about... 
Um, not so much that the big encounter with God stuff, but, but the, the day-to-day experience we have of God as we work out his calling in our life and what are the dynamics that we go through. Sometimes they're high points, sometimes low points and whatever. So I just wanted to set us up for that, that it's okay that if you have a room of ruin, you can still experience the fullness of God's calling and experience in your life. But the trouble with our, ru- our rooms, it's hard to say, rooms of ruin is that they leak and they seem to affect our whole life and they become the thing that when our head hits the pillow or we're waking up in the middle of the night, this is, the, this is where our head goes to instantly. This thing, this pain, this scream that's going on inside it. And we get stuck on the injustice of it because it shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't be happening. Someone stronger or domineering may have come into your life who should have been trusted and that they've taken control of your circumstances and they seem to have wrestled it to the ground and you've lost control of your life. And, and the injustice of that, just you can't let go of it. You might have relied on well-meaning people around us, Bible quotes, encouragement, it's all going to work out. The Bible tells you it's going to work out. The Bible actually doesn't say that. Um, it, Jesus promised uh, trouble, but he promises peace enough to get through that. But when those promises come, we, we, when we're young and we're naive, we hang on to them and go, it's all going to work out. But five and ten years down the track when things haven't quite worked out, what do you do with that? How do you recover from that? Because for many of us, that's been the reality. Some of us not so yet. So those who it haven't, hasn't happened to yet and you're blind in the triumphalism of success in Christian life and that things haven't gone wrong and those promises have always come true for you, bless your beautiful soul no, no, honestly, bless you. All I ask is because it's impossible when you're that person to understand and empathise with those who've gone through the ruin. So all Because I'm preaching now not to, the, not to the failures, not to the winners in life. I'm preaching to a congregation where we get this through together and those who haven't experienced it have empathy on those who have and we get it. So this is the place where we get it. So we need to understand there's injustice in this world, in the, in the reflection of what Jesus said, talking about justice, he said, I'll tell you, he said, I'll tell you, and, he, and when he says, I tell you, he's saying, listen up, I'm telling you, these people will get justice, justice will happen, and it will happen quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Luke 18, 8. And and we get stuck on the justice is coming and it's coming quickly. We go, yeah, I'm hanging out for justice and I can't get over this thing until it does because our idea of quickly and Jesus' idea of and quickly is very different and we find ourselves getting stuck until quickly comes. The quickly may come at the judgment seat. Jesus' big point here was can you rely on me? Can you have faith in me until it comes? Because that's renewal. That's life. It's in the middle of all this ruin that we still find and we can still rely on him and we can find all that he's promised. So how do we walk from ruins to renewal? Well, I haven't read a book on this, to be honest. If if you'll indulge me, these are four things that that have gotten me through the last few years and the years before that. And some of them have to speak into our lives prophetically. They're for a moment. Not all of these are for everyone all the time or suit every situation. But this has been the way Pat Hegarty gets through and I've seen it comprehensively over the years and others as well. The first way or the first mode for this is number one is that we sit at the cross. We stop fighting 
We stop screaming out for injustice. We stop needing justice to be had before we get over something. And we just stop and we apply a new type of faith, the faith that allows me to rest. Because something, someone, somehow has stolen my peace and it's not theirs to take, but I've given it to them. And I've got to get that back. And I can only get that when I sit at the feet of Jesus and I, and I exercise the faith that he calls on. Will I find faith at that moment? What does that faith look like? For me, who's a fighter, it, it looks like just shutting up for a minute and just sit at the cross and go, Lord, you see all this. I can't change all this. I can't fight this fight anymore. It's got to be yours to fight. So you replace fighting with a new type of faith. See, trying to be understood or respected is out of your control. You can't make it your business to be understood. You can't make it your business to fix every wrong. Every extra effort that you have won't necessarily fix your career or your relationships. It won't get you your respect back. If you've lost peace, you might just need to recognise you need to stop and just sit because this fight's too big for you. Some fights are too big for you because they're not yours to fight. They're Jesus' fight to fight. And we've got to leave him with it. It's not to you to bring justice, not to me to bring justice. It's to him in his way and his time. So don't determine or need to win. We've got to determine to regain peace and joy. That's the goal. We've got to get our peace back because it's mine, it's yours. Where's the peace gone? Who took it from me and how did I let him do that? So for me, I have to just stop and sit at the cross and hand the load that I can't handle anymore over to him. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because you can't handle it. You're not made for it. It's not yours. Get it off your shoulders. It's his to bear. If the fight's too big for you and it's too relentless, it must be Jesus' fight. If you're, if you're fighting a fight you can't win, then it's not yours to fight. And once you come to that conclusion, it's actually incredibly freeing because your only decision then is not to, how do I win the fight? Because it's not yours. Your only decision is, what am I going to do when the fight's over? What am I going to do when the music stops playing? When all this is said and done and all the cards are played and everyone's done what everyone does, you do you and I'll do me. What am I going to do then if it goes my way? What if I'm vindicated? What if it proves I was right? Am I going to grandstand about that? Am I going to point the finger or am I going to humbly and move forward with real dignity and peace and humility. Or if I'm left in a situation where I've been abused, if the situation in your life, and you've all had it, unfairness, the situation we're in is untenable, what do you do then? All you need to do then is make the decision. What am I going to do when the, when the music stops playing? Will I uh, remove myself from the situation or will I stay under whatever circumstances, whatever? It's really, it's much easier in life to manage a decision than it is to make one. It takes all our energy to come to a conclusion. But once we've done that, it's there. It's in its box. Put it back in its box. Now all I need to do is do the next step when it comes. And you don't have to worry about it anymore. So your peace can't be held captive to the actions of other people. It's your peace. Who's taking your peace? It's yours. Jesus gave it to you. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? The next one is a really interesting one, and it's not, I, I admit it's not one that I find easy. It's, it's to mourn well. No one likes to mourn. The whole idea of mourning sounds so negative. But when Jesus said, uh, blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted, what he was saying is you can't be comforted if you live in a place of denial. If you just say, it's okay, I'm doing fine, I'll get through this, it's all okay, which is a standard, you know, thin, thin sort of well-meaning Christian response, 
It all sounds great and it gives us an excuse to walk away and not worry about you. But it would be better to be truthful and say, well, I am struggling in this area and I need to learn how to deal with that. That's what I'm talking about. It's mourning well. It's, it's admitting what's going on, looking at that room and not keeping the door shut, but in an appropriate place and with appropriate people being prepared to open that door, even if it's just you and God together, and saying, I need to work this through, this thing that's happened to me, there's ruins in my life. I need to actually process it because it's not supposed to stay that way. And so I don't deny it, I don't brush it aside, but I work through the issues mechanically if you have to, you know, and ask questions like, what is this thing, this thing that's triggering me right now, that's making me always so angry and, and, and the injustice of it, I can't get over it, what has this actually done to me? What is, what's wrong with me? What's, don't worry about what's happening to you, it, it may be wrong enough, but what's it actually done to me? What's it broken inside me? Has it taught me something about myself? Has it taught me about other people? Where has it made me a bit more sensitive than I probably would be if I was on my best day? Has it made me guarded? All, take the time to, to with, with the lights on and the emotion out of it, intelligently mourn and say, this is what's actually gone on. In my, this is why I'm oversensitive. This is why I'm broken. My tank's empty and you keep drawing from it. You need to stop it or I need to remove myself. This sort of thing. Work through what's the problem here. It's a moment where you allow yourself that moment. Allow yourself, it, and it's, it's a moment, it's not a lifetime. We don't spend ourselves in recovery for the rest of our life. We, we process mourning well, because mourning goes through phases. And if you can, if you're strong enough, um, it's easier for some than others. Find the kernels of truth that are in every other person's argument. Because people believe what they're willing to die for, or people have done things because, very few people do things knowing they're doing the wrong thing. Normally there's a misunderstanding, there's a miscomprehension going on here somewhere. So, and often there's a kernel of truth in their argument, despite the fact that you want to shout from every rooftop that they're wrong, there may well be a kernel of truth there, or there's at least a lesson to be learned from trying to understand their truth. So if you're strong enough, take advantage of that. But just understand that others won't always get your pain, people won't understand your pain because it's yours. What hurts and breaks you may be another person's opportunity for challenge. See, a lot of it depends on our, our love languages, if we can be as simple as that. If my love language is trust or, or uh, encouraging words and the people around me are tearing me down or they're disbelieving, you may as well get a whip and flog me. And the lack, the lack of what we need in our love language, the lack is the same as abuse to you. If it's relational time, if it's gifts of service, whatever it is, the lack of what you need is your love language and your soul. The lack of that is actually abuse. So sometimes it's not what's happened to us, it's what's not happened to us. And it's really helpful to know yourself and understand that. And that's part of the mourning process and finding that and mourning well. All right, number three. Let's start to turn this around. Grasp what the good times won't give you. There are just some parts about trouble that are actually an incredible blessing that's not available to those who haven't been through the trouble. They don't get that same blessing. It's not like, oh, they'll get it too one day. No, they won't because they haven't been through what you've been through. They haven't had to process and grow and become who you've had to become to survive. There are things, there are, and there are special jewels, I believe, on the, on the floor of the troubled life that aren't available to those who are somewhere else and haven't gone through it. You can gain empathy. You can gain peace that no one else understands. You can grow character that they never will. And there are just godly principles and presence of God, his real presence, that those other people who haven't been through it just won't know. 
And I, just, I find in reality, God offers those in their darkest moments, the most troubled of us. If you've ever seen someone who's just lost their spouse or their child who's a Christian person, and you're at the funeral, and I've had to conduct these funerals, and you marvel at the grace that God has given these people to get through, you think, this would destroy me. I wouldn't be able to breathe or function. And you look at them and sometimes there's a glow of overcoming because God gives you the grace to get through whatever circumstance you find yourself in. His grace is always enough. You needn't fear any outcome for anything. Life, death, loss, he will always give you the grace. And there's power and there's extra grace there for those who need it the most. And when you get it, you'll never trade that in. I've heard, listened to people who've been through decades of, of, of torment, injustice, trouble, and they say, I've learned things I would never trade in for anything. I think, I'd trade it in, mate. I wouldn't want to go through that. But, they, but they're, they're, they're being deadly serious. I would not trade this jewel that's become my life for anything. And God speaks into this situation in Hosea. He's talking to, about the whole uh, nation of Israel who've just been through uh, this experience of 40 years in the wilderness. I'm going to allure her. I'll lead her into the wilderness it's there I'm going to speak tenderly to her. Why? Because she's listening. Normally, we don't listen half as much when we're going through good times, but in the hard times, we're listening more. I'm going to speak tenderly, and there I'll give her back, her being the whole nation. I'll give her back her vineyards. And this is a, this is a killer statement. I will make the valley of Achor, which is a symbol in the Old Testament for trouble. Achor meant trouble. I'll take, I'll take this valley of trouble. It's not a grave. It's a valley that they're passing through and it is trouble, it is legit, it's really hard, but I'm going to take that valley and I'm going to turn it into a door of hope. And so this unique door that he opens is only available to those who've been through that valley of trouble. What trouble are you going through? What trouble have you seen? Have you found the door of hope that lies peculiarly at the end of that road? It's yours, it's just yours, and it's only available because of what you've been through. It may be to a new life, maybe to a new circumstance, it may be to a new power to overcome. Uh, I personally, I've experienced all those options. Sometimes it's a power to stay and flourish. Sometimes it's permission to leave and go and do something different. But those doorways come before us. And finally, number four is to take real steps towards horizons of hope. Take real steps. Take tangible steps towards a glimmer of light on the horizon because Christians need hope. We don't function well in the absence of hope. You know, why was depression and suicide at its, at its low tide mark through the Depression and World War II? When the circumstances were at their bitter worst for, for the whole world, yet now those stats are sky high. They had a hope for a better day. They were living and determined for a better day. Even if they wouldn't see it, they were prepared to die to make it possible for their kids there was a glimmer of hope on the horizon and there's something that activates a human soul. If I can just see a light, I will aim for it. And Hebrews 6.19, talking about the hope of salvation, the gospel, says we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And it's like our soul, we can look through the whole horizon and it's all darkness, but then we see a glimmer of light and go, that's worth fighting for. And it's almost like we've hurled the anchor and the rope's there and suddenly we're anchored and I can pull myself in, I'm back, I'm on the track again. And we can go from deactivated joy to activated joy in an incredibly short space of time. And the only difference is I've seen hope. 
Because a human soul is created for light, not to exist in darkness. And perhaps, I don't know what it would be for you, it might be a hobby or a sport or a relationship, a new church, a ministry, a job, whatever it would be. Find the glimmers of hope on a horizon. It almost doesn't matter what it is. Because what we're trying to do is go from ruins to renewal. And you may start down that path and, and all you've done is reactivate your soul to think the way it needs to think and then God will divert you onto some other path. But he needs you moving to give you the guidance. So it almost doesn't matter as long as it's not immoral and sinful. Pursue that glimmer of light on the horizon in our life. And preferably, if you can, make it a journey in which you take other people with you or you're doing it with other people. Uh, Christians are best in, literally in community. So take real steps towards a horizon of hope. And we've really dedicated ourselves this year to um, providing more of that for more people's lives. And we've started this thing that's kicking off in a few weeks called the Formation Year. And Formation Year, if you've done our courses, and those short courses are still available, you don't need to do Formation Year. You can still do Reform, Refocus, all those things. But the Formation Year has just been this unfinished business for me where I know we need more than a six-week window to really experience life. I need to get on a track where I can deal with my ruins. I can understand godly disciplines. I can understand what the Bible's saying about my life. I can get grounded in good theology. I can take that and re-look really at my purpose for life, who God's made me to be, what I've been through, that whole thing, and I can come out and understand my calling. I can understand where I fit. And I can make for myself a bit of a compass and a bit of a roadmap for my life and go, now that I know who I am, who I'm not, what, I'm, what I've been through and where it's going to lead me, I'm off and running. And we've, we've investing a whole year in allowing you to do that. And so um, you can, uh, that's starting in a few weeks. Um, and so you can just go to our uh, website, Kenmore Church, there'll be a link to Connects a College, or just go to formationyear.com. It'll lead you straight to this. Um, we've, we've, we're making it as cheap as we possibly can, but it's a whole year experience of material uh, experiences, relationships, all those sorts of things. And obviously we're inviting anyone from anywhere to do that. Uh, it's just going to be a great experience. I think everyone, whether you're feeling broken or not, should absolutely be doing this material to, to ground you in Christian life and be, be part of that. We just have a unique opportunity here to do it here because that's just the way we roll. But I guess to, to finish off this message, and, and uh, it's been short and it's just been a weird kick-off to the year message, but I guess for me it's always been my heart that we wouldn't just have a church that's just a bunch of Kenmore winners. You know, we're the Brookfield Pullenvale lot. We drive Mercedes as our second car. Sorry, all you guys who drive Mercedes. I'm just dealing with my envy. Um, <laughs> it's really hard. My youth pastor drives a Mercedes and I've got a 10-year-old Toyota, you know. <laughs> I actually really like my Toyota. But, um, I have a go at us because I know... I know you know how much I love this church. I love this area. I love this people. But I want, to, I want it to be a culture where we can own success and we can champion success. And if you're a millionaire and, and making more and more millions, God love you and you go hard because God's called you to do that. As long as the driving force behind that is for kingdom benefit and seeing heaven come to earth. And God bless you with that. No limits. Go hard. If you've had a happy family and you've come from a happy family and you've known nothing but love and security, God love you for that. You're, you're, you're a rare bird, but please give what God has given you through that heritage. 
Give it to those who haven't had that opportunity because there's a whole bunch of us here who have come from brokenness or experienced brokenness and we're on a journey and we need people like you. We need your strength. We need your resources. We need your unconditional love. We need your relationship. And we want to be a culture that understands and gets it. There are single mums here. There are broken families. There are people from all sorts of walks of life, the good, the bad, and then the whatever. And you are welcome and you belong here because when it's all said and done in Jesus' eyes, we're all a bit busted up, but as long as we're on the journey, it's okay. And we're here to transform, we're here to grow, and you drop in our bucket and you're going to grow in God and you're going to get love. That's our prayer. So if, if, as the band comes up, if I could just offer a prayer for us all as we come into the new year, that we'd find uh, again and commit again to dying on the hill of community, that you don't leave the room until you've spent a minute or two finding someone that you don't know because they could be on a fork in the road right now between suicide and life, between depression and life, between loneliness and life, between walking away from God and church and the opposite. I know you're here. I have days like that. And someone comes to me and just gives me a word of encouragement and it's enough to keep me going. And I know we all need that. So your ministry today in, that, in this church on a Sunday is not to come and just listen. It's to find someone and give life. Give it away. And if you need it, to put your hand up and say, will you pray for me? Will you talk to me? Amen. Let me pray for us now. Father, we want to value what you value. We want to value uh, people. We get it mixed up. We get it mucked up. We, we hurt each other. We don't mean to, but we do it. We pray that you would just cover that, that today we could hit a reset button and we could love again, that you'd give us the strength to see beyond each other's failings and and shake a hand. I pray that you'd give us the the ability to lock eyes with someone and to reach out a hand and say, I'd love to just spend a few minutes hearing your story. But Lord, I want to pray for those who have their rooms that are ruined. Lord, I, I pray particularly for those who are never too far away from a complete sense of hopelessness. Because Lord, you promise in that valley of trouble, you will open a door of hope. And so Father, we, don't, we wanna wrestle with this today. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit, you're called the great encourager. You give us hope, you give us counsel, you give us truth. And hopelessness is a lie. Hopefulness is our calling. So Father, I pray that each one here would know the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We feel so many of us like we're supposed to come in and present strong today, but we're just sort of acting a bit. We're really feeling weak and we we need strong. So all we can bring as we're about to sing at the moment, all we can bring is a sacrifice of praise. So we choose to do that and create a space for God to work in our life. And so I pray the Holy Spirit would come into each of our lives and it would turn the light on in that dark room of ruin that you've not been able to talk about, you've not been able to articulate, not been able to share, that he would turn the light on in that and that you'd give him permission to come on in and start the journey back to renewal. Father, will you come into every heart for those who've got relationship pain, for those who've got insecurity, for those who've lost their businesses or want to lose their business. Give them the horizon of hope. 
Give us the encouragement and the joy of the Holy Spirit again. In Jesus' mighty name. Bless you all. Hey, free coffee. We've got 95 staff out there ready to go to bring joy. Poor old Tamara had a cow when she found out we were doing free coffee. Uh, It's all going on. Please have a coffee with someone else. Don't run away. Spend some time. Linger. And if you need some prayer today, the team's going to be over here praying after the worship. We'd love to minister to you. Bless you. It's great to have you back. Let's have a fantastic year.